Hello, hello, hello to our beloved Octavia family. We are Octavia's Parables, where the podcast where we're reading Octavia E. Butler's classic works one chapter at a time um, and learning all the lessons we can for how to be humans in this moment. And Mm -hmm. we are on Mind of My Mind, which is the second book of the Patternist series. And we're on chapter three this week. My name is Adrian Marie Brown, and I'm here with the stunning <laughs> Toshi Regan. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just like, oh, my tail's wagging too hard to say my own name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. I'm the same way. I'm like, tell me more about, tell me more about myself. Um, do you have any announcements, beloved? Oh, let's see. What are the announcements? I don't know. Stay in touch, y'all. We out here doing things. And, you know, remember when I did y'all's podcast in 2019? I'll and never forget. You were like, what's the, what's the something next you're doing? And I said, I'm doing a disco project. And Oh, um, yes. Remember? And so the project is you guys called. You like the Bee Gees or something. I, I sang. <laughs> I sang Brain Freeze. I say I can't catch no man hanging out at the discotheque. I believe in the boogie. Loving is really my game. I sang that. Uh, but it's called You're Having Too Much Fun, so we're, we're going to have to kill you. That's the name oh, of the project. Wonderful. And it's, it is, uh, so I get, I'm having the first workshop for it this summer at Wesleyan, which applied for and received some funding to support a new work. Congratulations. Um, yes. And then I'm also doing a, a beautiful, will be in residence at Symphony Space in November. And so I will be doing a show called Sacred Revolution. I will be presenting the great B. Steadwell and hopefully uh, working. B. Steadwell is everything. B. Steadwell is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant human being who I just, I feel like when I realized B. Steadwell was in this um, iteration of the parables, I want you to under like I I nearly stood up screaming like it took me a <laughs> second. And I was like, calm down, calm down, calm, calm down. down. And like, what an incredible actor! Actor, like I was just like, B. Steadwell is a filmmaker, I, yeah. an actor, filmmaker, actor, musician, like you know, yeah. just singer, singer, my God, graphic artist, mm-hmm. is, you know, and it has a, a beautiful musical that she did. Yeah. I hope that that comes back. You know, we should link some Beast as well onto this episode so people Let's can discover and do fall it. in love like we have. Oh, my God. Smooth. Yeah. Okay. It's a date. Go. It's a plan. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I love it. Yeah. So that's that's. Um, what about you? Um, I think my big announcement, I've had a lot of people asking about the Octavia E. Butler tarot deck and we are basically complete with it. And I want to keep asking people like you help us manifest it coming into the world because everything in the world is super slowed down and mm-hmm. it's just like the slowest situation. Printing is slow. Everything is slow, but we've got this gorgeous deck ready to come to you. So just keep sending manifestation energy, clear the way energy that would be helpful. And then I think I told y'all that I got commissioned to work on a musical mm-hmm. um, or to create a musical. So I'm working on that with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And the fall, I'll basically be doing, um, my my composer Troy is going to be doing a residency at The Shed in New York. So there'll be an opportunity for people in New York to get a taste. And then in 2023, we're going to go up in Oregon and then it's also going to go to St. Louis. The St. Louis rep has co-commissioned it. Beautiful. And probably other places will, will commission it after that. That's hopefully, right. Because hopefully. I'm, I'm trying to make something really excellent and beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's my world right now is just walking around the house going, <laughs> oh, that's a song. That's a song. <laughs> yeah. I know you said you said so. you're a composer, but I'm like, mm, I do know that you do be playing with the melodies, boo. No. So that's that's what they told me. They were like, you're a really good lyricist. You have really beautiful melodies. And like what we're going to help you with is like choral arrangements and mm-hmm. like figuring out how to like, you know, I don't write the music down, you know, and just sort of like sing it into my voice memo. So they're helping me figure out like how I take those and make it something that other people can sing. Yeah, you so go. I'm really, I'm, we're actually um, next week doing a whole musical retreat. I'm super excited about. They're going to come and awesome. I'm we'll so sit happy here and for you. sing songs. So 
that's my big news. And then this with you, you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I know you just came off parable season for real, but I also feel like I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> didn't we just do so much? We just <laughs> did so much. We've been together. We've been holding hands all spring. Beautiful. Oh, what a gift. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into this chapter three. Mary and Carl are together <laughs> in Carl's house and hijinks ensue. Well, we definitely want to put a trigger warning in front of this. This yeah. is this is uh, full of violent images as Mary it will be going through transition. So we want to make sure that you know that that is going to happen. And I will take great care um, as you journey with us through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just had three points about this. So Mary... One is Mary is just stubborn. She's so stubborn. It's unbelievable. You know, she wants help and she needs help, but she has definite ideas about what that means. And um, Carl's mind is about to be blown. So like whatever Carl thinks he knows about life, everything's about to change. And Doro is petty. Petty, 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 petty. So petty. God, it's un. It's that's uh, what comes with being an ancient being. She Like, is that what we get? <laughs> we gonna get your pettiness in every era. Um, so here we go. So we uh, start off in the warehouse, and this is a gigantic warehouse of Whitman Coleman Service Building, serving thirty-three department stores over three states. And Doro had started this chain uh, seventy years before. He bought the star store for a small um, family of his people. And the job of the family was simply to grow and prosper, like just make it work and make, make me money. And the descendants of the original family, they still have a controlling interest in the company. Um, they were obedient. They were self-sufficient. And Doro left them alone for the most part. Uh, sometimes he would, you know, call them up and like help them and sometimes they would have to help him he would ask them for some favors and that kind of a relationship so basically there's a problem at the store and at the warehouse and so Doro brought Carl with him and Carl they're with the chief of security and they're walking through the warehouse on toward the loading docks and Carl is there because people have been stealing um, yes. and it's gotten out of hand. It's not, it's stopped being small. It's gotten too big. And so Doro's like, Carl, figure it out. Who is over here doing this? So he's led through the thoughts of the workers and they're all like basically getting ready to steal several thousand dollars worth of merchandise and they've gotten away with it. And so basically he's pointing out, this is who's doing it and this is how they're doing it. And, you know, these people are going to be like done for and he is also like has a mental link with with mary that he's married to and his mental link is there he would probably have it anyway but specifically it's there because she's close to her transition Mm -hmm. um and for those of you who have not read wild seed and we highly recommend reading wild seed but if you haven't you know, all of Doro's people that he creates through his breeding program go through a transition around the eight when they get into their teens or their late teens. And it's a horrible process. Many of them don't make it through, especially the telepaths. And so this is a special, special time because he really wants Mary to make it through. So Carl's doing his, his support thing and finding out who's stealing. And then all of a sudden, he gets like a powerful joy, jolt from um, Mary, who yeah. is like running and screaming. And he's like receiving this energy. And it's like the two of them are, are one. And mm. so she's like running down some white corridors. A woman is fleeing from men who are also dressed in white. And she's just like, you know, babbling and screaming and crying. And then all of a sudden Mary is like the own body of the woman and Mary at once she's covered Mm. with these like slimy yellow worms and she's tearing at the worms frantically to get them off they change their coloring from yellow to streaked with red they begin to burrow in her flesh 
and the woman fell to the floor, tearing at herself. She's just, everything inside of her is coming out of her, and she doesn't feel like they're restraining her. Um, her pursuers are catching her, and they prick her with a needle, and she didn't have enough awareness of the world outside of her mind to be grateful for eventual oblivion. So if you all don't understand this, this is something that's happening, and then Mary is picking it up mentally. Yes. As if she's experiencing it. Yes, as if she's experiencing it. It's very, 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 very real to Mary. And then Carl from the factory with his, you know, mental link is also capturing this same adventure. And he is like, we got to go. So they, he's like, it's happening now. We got to get home. So, you know, Doro gets the car and I'm... and. And Adrian, when I got to this section, I was like, who is making this movie? Yes, I can't. It's so visual. I'm so stimulated by this scene. Yeah. And this whole show, this whole uh, book. <laughs> this the, yeah. the whole book. But this is like, this, this is, I was like, who is like, making this movie? And there. Yeah. How is this going? I, I really need somebody to get down with this. So, and get down with it very well. So mm. these two guys are like first having an argument over who's going to drive and Dora wins that because Carl is literally like you know riding um next to Mary so he shouldn't be driving a car um Mm -hmm. eventually they get to the house and and Dora's trying to coach him like what to do so you know Carl was in no shape to to drive he wasn't in any shape to do anything he was like it was it was as though he was plunging into his own transition again so this is not what happens so like carl should not be feeling like he's in his transition again carl should be like if you can imagine that you were in a room with somebody and the person was having a nightmare you know you can feel the energy of the nightmare you but you're not in the nightmare you know, you're like trying to help them and calm them down and, you know, you'd like maybe wake them up or something, which, you know, but so Carl should not be so messed up. He should be like, he's standing there, he's watching, you're making sure the person don't hurt themselves, that kind of thing. But he is, he is in it. And Doro is like, you're too close to her. You need to pull back and see if you can sense what's happening without being caught up in it. And, you know, Carl is like, his mind's blown. Like, how did I get this close anyway? Like, you know, yeah. he shouldn't, he just, he's, he's like, oh my goodness, like this is not going to work. So, you know, Doro's trying to tell him, no, she's going to reach for the worst things. This is going to be terrible. So, you know, I guess Mary could reach for butterflies, you know, and rainbows and like, you know, somebody making dinner for their family and happy, but that's not her world. That's not her life. She isn't. Yeah. So she's reaching for the worst situations. Yeah. Um, and, he, and Doro's trying to coach Carl to be there, but then not get so close that he's inside of those situations himself. And he was trying to separate himself. He established this mental link with her, but it had grown to something more than he had intended it to be. And he's like, boom, all of a sudden he realizes that she's become aware of him and was watching him while he was trying to get away. And He's like, hmm. I never told her she could be aware of me. So I hope I'm making this clear to y'all. Like this this world of transition, people are just lost in it. They don't have extra powers to see who's next to them and who's not next to them. They're just hmm. in it. And so Mary has done like a couple of things that, you know, Carl is like, wait a minute. One is he thinks he's close to Mary because he made an accident or something that got too close. But that's not the case. He's close that's to Mary because right. Mary, something's happening with Mary. Then he thinks Mary should not be able to see him and what he's doing. And Mary can see him very clearly. And yes. he feels like he would only see her if he told her, like, hey, I'm here. That's and he's right. trying to stop what he's doing because <laughs> he's scared he's frightening her. Um, but she's not afraid at all, and she was glad to have him with her. And he 
allows it. I'm using these quotes here. Allows it. Yeah, because he (laughs) he he has no choice, but he doesn't know that yet. But he allows it because he recalls when he went through his transition, how Emma was near him and how comforting that was. Mm -hmm. So he wants to stay with her. He wants to support her. That's a beautiful thing. And Doro is just like, you know, how is she doing? And he's like, she's okay. She knows what's happening. And he's like, you know, something is liable to snatch her away at any minute. And Doro's like, I know. And, every, you know, they're just going back. They're being guys, like, trying to control everything. And mm-hmm. he's like, when you, when it happens, let it happen. Um, stay out of her way. And he's like, you know, don't don't help her. Let her just get through it. And he's yeah. like, I thought I'm supposed to help her. And he's like, no, you, you help her later when she can't help herself, when she's ready to give up. That's when you come in. And... Mm. <laughs> That's some Doro shit, y'all. And Carl, like, turns around and is just like, do you lose a lot of her kind? Like, you know. Yes, right. And then he says, she doesn't have a kind. She's unique. And he's kind of has a little (laughs) smile, but it's like several of her unsuccessful predecessors have died in transition. And then Carl says, "I, I bet that most of them died taking somebody with them. So the reality of the situation is that this is an unknown situation. And as much as Doro and Carl know, they don't know about this. And Carl now realizes that there is a good chance that if Mary doesn't survive, he won't either. Mm -hmm. Because Doro is like that. So he's just like, I already know from Mary's thoughts that you killed the ones who managed to survive transition. And then Doro's like, well, if you already know, why bring it up? Exactly. Petty, 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 Stop petty. talking to me about shit we all are. We already know. Different. We are in it. Let's go. So she is a dangerous kind of experiment. This is what we are saying. And Carl is not feeling Doro at all. He is. Mm-hmm. He realizes now that, you know, there's always more to whatever you think is happening with Doro. And this is That's it for right. Carl. So Carl is, you know, is trying to like, you know, get himself disentangled from Mary. He would be at, they're not even at the house yet, y'all. This yeah. is all happening on the drive to get In to the house. In my mind, it's like that Fast and Furious. It's like there's a Fast and Furious scene and it's like, oh my God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's just like flailing about in the car like, what the fuck? They're you know, screaming and yelling and having a fight in the car. <laughs> And all the time where they're having the fight and Doro's trying to coach him and Carl's yes. trying to disentangle himself. They're driving, 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 driving. It's all happening at the same time. And that's yes. why I need to know who's making this movie because this scene needs to I be just very see good. It. <laughs> yeah. Octavia's giving us streets and all kinds of things. I'm exactly. going to skip over that. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in Sa- those in Saturday Night Live. They do this thing sort of like, and then you took the 104 to the 105 and then you took the thing to 110. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Octavia. It's, She's it's real. really, you know Julie, I, will, I will actually give you a little bit. Doro cut across <laughs> the lanes, wove through the light traffic carelessly, speeding as usual. He had no more regard for traffic laws than he did for any other laws. This is mm. Octavia. That's a little piece of her and Doro driving. Yes. And Carl had wondered how many accidents Doro had caused or been involved in. Not that mm-hmm. it mattered to Doro. Human life never mad, ever mattered to Doro beyond his interest in human husbandry. Could a creature who had to look upon ordinary people literally as food and shelter ever understand how strongly those people value life? But mm-hmm. yes, of course he could. He understood it well enough to use it to keep his people in line. He probably even understood it well enough to know how Carl and Mary both felt now. It just didn't make any difference. He didn't care. So this is this is all in the car, and they finally pull up into Carl's driveway. Mm-hmm. And Carl just hops out the house, runs, 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 and gets to Mary. And Mary was in the midst of another experience, and he had felt it begin. He had yeah. kept her under careful, distant observation even after he had severed the link between them. Now, though, even without deliberately establishing a link, he was having trouble preventing himself from merging into her experience. And Mary was trapped in the mind of a man who had to eventually burn to death. The man was trapped inside of a burning house. Mary was experiencing every sensation. 
So he runs to get beside her. Vivian is there. Vivian is trying to take care of her the best she can. Vivian is like, the no, what the heck? Yeah. She's a regular person. So. She's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> your girl is wilding out. She's like, it's a lot going on right now, and I'm really yeah. glad you're here. And so um, she's rolled up in a ball in the bed. She's moaning. She's making little noises, and... Carl is sitting next to her and he looks at Vivian and Vivian is like, is she going to be all right? And Carl's like, I think so. And then she asks, is is Carl going to be all right? And then he's like, if she is, I will be. And, and then she meet she, Vivian, who is an aware human says, you mean if she comes through all right, Dora won't kill you. And he looks at her surprised and one of the things that he liked about her was that she could still surprise him. And he felt uh-huh. he felt enough mental privacy. He left her enough mental privacy for that. So he really liked Vivian. And so he didn't, she's not like the people who work at the house. Yes. You know, so he had hardly read Vivian at all until she asked him to condition her. So she asked um, when Mary came for a little help, not being too jealous of their relationship. And he didn't want to do it's it, kind but of cool. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Can you know, you not not stress about this actually. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, what if you could get that? If I could, I'm like, I'm, mm, okay. You know, <laughs> Question. Like, look, that's a whole nother episode, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, but the number of times in my life that I wished I could just be like, this isn't a problem. <laughs> yeah, I can just do this. I'll help you. <laughs> so, inside of all of this chaos vivian it wants to stay she wants to be a part mm-hmm. of it and you know carla's like no you can't and she's like i want to see it i want to be a part of it he's like no and she's like well let me go because she's she just is like this is the moment where either i'm in it with you all or i'm not and if i'm not in it with you all then i'm the out i'm the one person out and mm-hmm. so she wants to be let go of he asked her if she will she will stay, but it's around this idea of aloneness inside of the their community. It's three three person community and four if you add Doro, and so they have been witnessing Mary's loneliness yeah. when Mary came to the house, and now Vivian feels that the shift will be around her loneliness. If yes. they can't make, if they can't include her in what they're doing, so that's right. She agrees mm-hmm. to stay till the next day, but she doesn't see an outcome for this. So, mm-hmm. Doro looked at Mary, and Mary is is finally starting to to get into like a quieter place, and Doro leaves with Vivian. So Carl is looking down at Mary, and she's looking at Doro and Vivian. And uh, she said, why is, why is it Daryl is always so kind to people after he messes up their lives? <laughs> and this yeah. is, this is like the line that is everything. That's you right. know, Carl is being kind and helping her. And she says, are you being kind to me, man? And he's like, that's not my word. And she's like, okay. He said, you know how it's going to be from now on. One bad experience after another. Why don't you use this time to rest? And then when it's over, and she's like, when it's over and I'm still alive, then I'll rest. And this is this, like, you know, stubbornness mm. that Mary is almost insistent on going through this alone, even yeah. though she likes that Carl is there. So I'm going to read this. He felt her caught up in someone else's fear, stark terror. Then he was caught up too. He was too mm. close to her again for a moment. He let the alien terror roll over him, engulf him. He broke into an icy sweat. Abruptly, he was elsewhere, standing outside in the backyard of a house built near the edge of one of the canyons. Coming up the slope from the canyon was the longest, thickest snake he had ever seen. It was coming toward him. He couldn't move. He was terrified of snakes. Abruptly, he turned to run. He caught his foot on the lawn sprinkler. He fell screaming, his body twisting, thrashing. He felt his own legs snap as he hit the ground. But then the break registered less on him than the snake, and the snake was coming closer. Carl had had enough. He drew back and screened out the man's terror. At that instant, 
Mary screamed. As Carl watched, she turned on her side and she was curling up again, pressing her face into the pillow so that the sounds she made were muffled. He watched her mentally. You know, this is a big word that I didn't know. That means fear of snake. Oh, oh, fud. Oh. Work it. Oh, I believe in you. Ophidiophobe. And it's ophidiophobia. And it means like you have an extreme fear of snakes. Mm-hmm. So I'm apologizing to everybody who is reading this and may may be dealing with this. So yeah. um, it's it's actually really serious. So he thought he understood something now. He this is Carl. He thought he understood something now, something he had wondered about. And he knew how Mary's expanding talent um, was acting without control and was opening one pathway after another to other people's raw emotions. And now he realized that when he let himself be caught up in those emotions, he was standing in the middle of an open pathway. And he was shielding her from like a, he he describes it as an infant, like trying to figure things out and just not quite having it. So she gets through that episode He's remembering that Doro told him to only help her when she could no longer help herself. Mm-hmm. So he's he's looked at her, he's realizing that he was like spacing out. And so she's frightened, she's scared, and she's asking, you know, what did you do? Because she could feel herself getting caught up in something else, and then for a while it was gone. So Carl kind of had the ability to you know, support her in the journey so she wouldn't have to feel everything by herself, you know? So he's like, I know, you know, I know now how to help you and this gives you a better chance. And she said, you know, she thought Doro would tell, tell him how to help her. He says, he thinks Doro's pleasure comes from watching them like running through the mazes. He says like rats and seeing how they figure it out. And I think that's true. I think Doro wants to see the, he considers them experiments and he wants to see every part of it. And he thinks he's learning something by their suffering. So I think Carl has that. And I think, I think they both are aware of um, how Doro thinks about them. So they struggle, 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 struggle. And Mary is again, so stubborn that she's like, I want to do everything myself. I want to get through the whole thing myself. I can do it myself. And, you know, Carl is kind of like, everybody needs help. But all right, we're going to, you know, if he if he's not going to let her die. So mm-hmm. during the times when she was able to, like, be in her own mind and shield herself from the world outside, and she is, like, starting to figure out how to control her abilities and regain a mental peace that she had not known for months. That is what's starting to begin inside of this transition. As you all know, she has just been experiencing these like headaches. She has no control over anything. But during this transition, she's starting to like figure some things out. However, she is also getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and wearier. And it is getting to a dangerous point. And what Carl is witnessing is that she's starting to sink into an oblivion, like just into a space where all of the unfortunate people's thoughts are possessing her and she doesn't have a defense for it. And so it's just becoming a, a wide ranging place. And Carl sees that there's a 15 year old boy somewhere in Los Angeles and the boy is being beaten to death by three mm-hmm. older boys who are members of a gang. And it's a terrible thing because it's, it's one of those things that's like it's a torture. Like they're not just trying to kill him, but they're trying to kill yeah. him in a specific way. And it's too much for Mary. And so Carl basically takes the last of the beating for her. Mm. And he was tired, you know. He was just like, we have to, like, she's not going to survive these things. So he jumps in. He takes that beating for her, and she was still being stubborn. She didn't want him there, and he was basically like, I don't care what you want. Like, he's like, I'm going to do it. And, you know, he tried to show her how to erect a shield, you know, in her, yeah. inside of her mind, and she yeah. couldn't do it. And he kept trying and trying. He's like, you know, I see this all visually. Like, I see this all, like, yes. where somebody's trying to get you to 
put something in front of yourself so you're not absorbing every horrific thing and yes. you just can't do it. And so he's staying there and he's like really trying to he's trying to create enough space for himself so he doesn't get pulled in it and so that he can be in control. But he's also trying to stay close enough so he can teach her and watch out for her. And in that process, I'm going to read this. Something was happening that he did not understand. She had not been able to learn from him, but she was using him somehow. She had ceased to protest his mental presence. In fact, her attention seemed to be on something else entirely. Her body was relaxed. Her thoughts were her own, but they were not coherent. He could not make no sense of them. He sensed other people with her mentally, but he could not reach them even clearly enough to identify them. And I feel like this is a moment of panic for Carl. He's like, what are you doing? And he didn't like having to ask. Like, (laughs) he doesn't like this. So you you have to understand Carl is is like the Mac Daddy of telepaths. And so he... (laughs) He he is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, I know everything and I know how to do everything and I can control myself and I can be, you know, I I have all this range. So for him to be assisting another telepath and then be like, wait, something's happening. I don't know, is a very, very, very big deal. And now so all of this is happening in their minds. And Carl is like, I asked what you were doing. And he he lets her feel his annoyance. And then Mary notices him then and somehow drew him closer to her. He seemed to see her arms reaching out, her hands grasping him. Though her body did not move, suddenly suspicious, he tried to break contact with her. Before he could complete the attempt, his universe exploded. So Carl is no longer in control. And Mary says, I couldn't have said what I was doing. I knew Carl was still with me. His mental voice was still reaching me. I didn't mean to grab him the way I did. I didn't realize until afterward that I had done it. And even then, it seemed like a perfectly natural thing to do. So she's (laughs) like, it's what I had done to others. So Mary is like, Mary is like kind of taking over the situation. Mm -hmm. She has not only pulled Carl in, but she has pulled five others. She has... A group of telepaths, and she is, <laughs> and I'm like, yay, Mary! At the like, same, this feels right. This she's feels like, right this is this <laughs> this is exactly yes. I am here for yeah. this. So yeah, I have to read this to y'all because yes, it's not something to just try to make sure. So, I just wish everyone could see Toshi right now with the glasses and the book. It's just story time, y'all. Yo, it's, it's totally story sweet. time. And I'm so this. hyped for this section here. Me too. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite, favorite places in this book. So mm-hmm. others, yes, five of them. They seem to be far away from me, perhaps scattered around the country. Actives like Carl, like me, people I had noticed during the last minutes of my transition, people who had noticed me at the same time. Their thoughts told me what they were, but I became aware of them, saw them as bright points of light, like stars. They formed a shifting pattern of light and color. I had brought them together somehow. Now I was holding them together, and they did not want to be held. Their pattern went through kaleidoscope changes in design as they tried to break free of me. They were bright darting fragments of fear and surprise, like insects beating themselves against glass. They were like long strands of fire stretching away from me, but somehow they never stretched quite far enough to escape. They were writhing shapeless things, merging into each other, breaking apart, rolling together again as a tidal wave of light, as a single clawing hand. I was their target. So these these five, mm. this unit of people, including Carl, they mm. are trying to get away. They don't. They have no idea. These are actual humans. So these are people like in their lives doing something, and then all of a sudden they get brought into Mary's world. So mm. wherever they are, whatever they're doing, you know, going shopping, you know, taking a bath, something happens, 
and they are uh, no i actually can't imagine so they are inside of mary's world and they team up they try to become like one force that can like break the thing and this is what happens they tore at me desperately with the hand they had formed i didn't feel it all i could feel was their emotions desperation anger fear hatred they tore at me harmlessly tore at each other in their confusion finally they wore themselves out they rested grouped around me relaxed they were threads of fire again each thread touching me linked with me i was comfortable with them that way i didn't Mm -hmm. understand how or why i was holding them but i didn't mind doing it it felt right i didn't want them frightened or angry or hating me i wanted them the way they were now at ease comfortable with me. I realized that there was something really proprietary about my feelings towards them, as though I was supposed to have charge over them and they were supposed to accept me. But I also realized that I had no idea how dangerous it might be for me to hold a group of experienced active telepaths on mental leashes. Not that it would have mattered if I had known, though, since I couldn't find a way to let them go. At least they were peaceful now, and I was so tired, I went to sleep. And that's not the end. Nope. That's not the end. That's just oh, yeah. that's just Mary taking a nap. And <laughs> She's like, um, so I just went to sleep. So I just I went to sleep. Continue to wreak havoc on these. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the people, I don't know what they were doing, but we will mm-hmm. find out, I'm sure. But Carl wakes her up, and Carl is is not happy. Mm-mm. You know, Carl's one of the people. So Carl was one of the people that made the claw. Carl's one of the people who tried to, like, get away. Carl's one of the people who finally surrendered and just tried to relax. And so when Mary took a nap, Carl was there still trying to get away. So Mary's made it through her transition. And she has the, the, you know, sore and, and tired and exhausted and, you know, everything happened to her. And she sees Carl and he's got scratches down the left side of his face. And she's like you know, I'm sorry. I hope that's all I did. And he is pissed off. And he's like, it's not. And she's like, what else? And then he does a mental strand, tug at a strand to let her know that they're still there. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wow. Uh And he's, he's very angry. Right. So she says, I'd let you go if I know how. And it's, it's a problem. She, she has them, but she doesn't know. And so Carl's like, well, let me, you know, open up a little bit and let me see. So this is an invitation for Mary to give access to Carl, to her thoughts. And she was like, I hadn't realized I was shielded at all. He had tried so hard to teach me to form my own shield and I hadn't been able to do it. Apparently I finally picked up the technique without even realizing it picked it up when I couldn't stand anymore or the mental garbage I was getting. So she has a shield and she lets it down. She lets, she lets Carl in. And, um, she says, I, I began the disintegration process again. Uh, let the shield grow thinner. I let it become a kind of a screen, something I could receive other people's thoughts through. And the reason why I'm reading this now is so you all can understand you know, the technology of being a telepath of Mary and Carl's level. And Octavia beautifully writes it so that you can just like feel and envision for yourselves, like what it's like for them to be working in their minds Mm -hmm. um, so powerfully. So I experimented until I could hold it just heavy enough to keep out the kind of mental noise I had been picking up before and during my transition. It Mm. kept out the noise, but it didn't keep me in. I could reach out and sense whatever there was to be sensed. I swept Mm. my perception through the house experimentally. I sensed Vivian was still asleep in Doro's bed, and in another way, I sensed Doro beside her. Actually, I only sensed a human shape beside her, a body. I was aware of it in the way I was aware of the lamp on the night table beside it. I could read Vivian's thoughts with no effort at all, but somehow without realizing it, I had drawn back from trying to read the mind of the other body. Now cautiously, 
I started to reach into Doro's mind and it was like stepping off a cliff. And basically she tried to mess with something she shouldn't have. And she says, I had the feeling that I had just come very close to death. And Carl confirms that for her and says, like, you almost committed suicide and telepaths are the people he kills most easily. Normally he can only kill a person physically nearest him, but telepaths, he can kill them no matter where they are. Or rather he can if they help him by trying to read his mind. It's like begging him to take you. And she was like, you let me do that? (laughs) And he was like, I couldn't stop you. And she was like, well, you could have warned me. You were watching and reading me, you know, so they get into Mm -hmm. it about that. And he's like, your own senses warned you. You chose to ignore them. So Mm -hmm. Carl is, is, you know, gently, I think, and cautiously trying to let Mary know how powerful she is. And Mary's in a little bit of denial because she doesn't have anything to reference it against. It's the first time. And he asks, like, for her to open again, and he says, I won't hurt you. I've just got to find a way out of whatever it is you caught me in. So she opens up again, and she really doesn't know what happened. So in a couple of seconds, he knew everything that she did. He knew that she didn't know. He had already found out he couldn't break away from the pattern. Now he knew for sure that I couldn't let him go either. He knew there wasn't even a way for him to force me to let him go. I wondered why he thought he'd have to force me, why he thought I wouldn't have let him go if I could have. And he Mm -hmm. answered her thoughts aloud. I just didn't believe anyone could create and maintain a trap like that without knowing what they were doing. He said, you're holding six powerful people captive. How can you do that by accident or instinct or whatever? And she really doesn't know. Um, he, He goes away. And he basically is like, you got some Doro-like ideas. She's like my proprietary (laughs) feelings. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, I was in transition. And, you know, when you're in transition, (laughs) like anything can happen. And he's like, no. He's like, you still thinking that way. And she was like, it's true. (laughs) She said, I, you know, yeah, she's like, it's true. Mm. But she actually really does not want to be, you know, stealing people. So... She says, look, Carl, no matter what I feel, you find me a way to break this thing, free you and the others, and I'll cooperate in any way I can. He got up. He was standing by the bed. He was watching her. He was very angry. She says his look looked like hatred. And he says, you better. And he quietly, he says quietly, actually. And he turns around and leaves the room. And Carl is not the biggest baddest telepath anymore and he knows it and so he can say what he wants you better this you better that it doesn't matter um mary is mary yeah and carl she's beyond she's beyond anything and he he now understands Mm. all right y'all so you know, this thing is called the Patternist Series. And here we are at the beginning of the pattern. And it is such a beautiful, I think this is some of the most beautiful writing that Octavia does mm-hmm. as she explains how these minds entangle with each other and get pulled in. And so, you know, the first thing I want to ask, because I I always feel like Octavia is writing these fantastical stories, but there's also these elements of reality. Like it, it always makes me like, I wonder if she ever felt her mind entangled with someone else's or, mm-hmm. you know, if there was ever that, that sense of like, oh, this, this person can really like feel and connect. When you think, listeners, about that act of entangling with another's mind, I want you to think for yourself, like, have you felt soul ties Have you felt mental ties with other people? Have you felt like, oh, I can feel something happening to this person even though they're far away? Or if someone gets sick, I have certain people in my life where, you know, if something happens to them, I feel it. They don't have to call and tell me. Mm -hmm. I, I know. And I think that maybe many of us have have things like this. And part of this book is an invitation to like be intentional about what is that? 
you know, reflect on it. Again, could it be used for our survival? You know, I remember also watching Sensei and being like, ooh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like we going to evolve, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, a question I have for those who have been following us since the beginning of this podcast is as you were listening to this, did you feel echoes of hyper empathy? And do you feel, do you understand how Mary and Laura and Oya Olamina's gifts have some connection, right? Mm -hmm. That really what's happening is Mary is feeling what's happening to other people as if it's happening to herself in this transition. She's going through and she's reaching for, she's going with these experiences. And just if you can keep weaving these threads, these larger threads between Octavia's work. And then coming into this chapter, do you feel like Doro underestimated Mary? What is Doro's responsibility in this? We've seen him basically do failed experiment after failed experiment after failed experiment over the course of Wild Seed. I mean, he, he creates monsters. He creates Frankensteins. He creates harmful beings. But with Mary, it really feels like there's a sense of like, oh, you really had no idea what mm-hmm. was going to happen here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship Doro has with Carl feels reminiscent of Isaac. And it makes me ask the question, could you imagine anyone partnering with Doro? Like helping him to do a more humane job <laughs> of these transitions and of this work, right? Like he's so in solitude, like no one understands me and I just have to figure this all out by myself. Mm-hmm. So just be reflecting on like, what is Doro up to and what does it mean for a scientist like him to be making such big mistakes with such human error, human impact? Really, I find myself in this chapter and every chapter, like how does he keep his people from hating him? You know, Mm -hmm. in these moments. And then Octavia E. Butler, one of her favorite things was troubling our sense of what's good and what's bad. So in this book, telepathic control is something that I think for most of us, we would see it as that's a bad thing. Like there's no possibility of it being a good thing. But in this, you know, we hear from Vivian that she's like, oh, yeah, you know, this I know that he could help me manage my jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he could, you know, that I could feel supported or all the people who work for Carl are like people who are in solitude and he gives them kind of an easeful way to be of service, right? And Octavia's like, this could be a lot of different things. So I want to ask our listeners to think about this on two levels. First, could you imagine any scenario in which being pulled into a pattern like this could be a good thing? Like pulled into something that you did not consent to? Is there any positive side of that? And then is there anything else you can look at in your life or in your world that you could see in a different way? Something that you currently see as like, that's a bad thing. Those are bad power dynamics. Like, <laughs> There's no good to it. Can you see any benefits to it? Mm. Right? I feel like it's a muscle that Octavia is constantly wanting us to build is not to respond to things in a binary way of like, well, that's bad. This is good. But mm-hmm. instead to be like, this is complex. What it, what all is happening here? Yeah. Don't you think that the social media, the algorithm situation could... This dude wrote an article. I think it's in the Times, y'all. And he basically posted some pictures of his new baby on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, so he posts his pictures of his baby and, you know, and a beautiful, you know, gratefully healthy baby. Mm-hmm. And then he starts getting suggestions of, like, other, you know, do you want to see this? Do you want to see that? And it's all, like, babies with health problems, like, bad things, like, you know. Yeah. And he was like, what, how, you know, wait a minute. Like, what is that? Yes. Yeah, why are they <laughs> suggesting this? And anyway... The long story short is eventually he, he, and if you're interested in this for yourself, you can find this article because he, he did a lot of research and, and he, but he found like basically what were the words that they associated with his post. That's right. And they were like death, fear, (laughs) 
call exactly. Like, we, we can include it. We'll, we'll, we'll include it in the show notes yeah. to make it easier for you. You can because, see, but yeah. it's, a, I was like, I, and I've had this feeling, I don't know if you've had it, but I've had this feeling of like, I don't want, I don't want this part of the relationship. It's like somebody yes. else has laid, laid another layer onto the relationship that I was like, I don't want this part. Like, and yeah. how can I not have it? Because you, it's very hard to get rid of. Like, that's right. That's so, right. It, no, I mean, I think social media is actually an excellent example of, of this because it's something that I feel like I know people who are just like, no, it's just the devil's work, you know, like get off of there. Don't be on there. It's a waste of time. And I'm like, sure. And it's also an incredible common space to find relationships, shared interests, shared, mm-hmm. pa- you know, like, but I think a lot of us are like, where is the Icarus moment? Like, when am I flying too close to the sun or close to the harm that can come through these things? When am mm-hmm. I getting too, like, is there a way to be moderate? I think we're still trying to figure out, like, is there a way to be moderate with this? But like, I wouldn't have wanted to go through a global pandemic without social media. Yeah, but I think it's the vibration is more what I'm thinking of. It's like, yeah, it's the, somebody decided that, there should be these particular things, these vibrational offshoots of this particular thing. And they're so far. And I'm like, what's that? Like, but I think that's what I'm saying is like, so we're engaging in social media with the idea that we're connecting and that we're celebrating and Mm -hmm. we're uplifting each other. But behind the scenes, those who are creating social media in order to keep us hooked, they're like, we have to create a balance of fear and consumerism because that's what feeds mm-hmm. yes. right the the profits yes. of this thing right so no matter what you, you know like i feel like that all the, i've i have like the most curated social media of anyone i know yeah. like i'm like i follow unicorns rainbows daisies puppies magic <laughs> Along with you. and musicians and black artists right yep. like i'm like that's what i follow and still you know the ads or other things will find a way to like slip in there and be like but what about the the death you know, and it's just like, I like, I, I can watch the news. Like, I, I know what the news is, you know, like I can get but to that there, myself. It's just that agency. There's, yeah. you know, it's like they're constantly being like, you don't actually have agency. And I've also seen a number of people be like, okay, let's just create our own. And then that those not really pop off, right? There's something about like the, the combination of wanting to be in the pattern with each other, mm-hmm. right? And not in these like subdivisions of the pattern. So, well, who has a yeah. cool little one? Because I would love to join that. Yeah, I will. I I think that's a good question. Let's add that to our questions, y'all. Mm-hmm. Who, who has, has a cool, cool little? We don't have little... to be billions of people in one place. Exactly, intimate social media spaces where we can like get together and just share recipes and happiness and dogs mm-hmm. and puppies and maybe some wild horses and stuff. Okay. Mm. Um. <laughs> so then, in the same way that. I'm going to keep asking this question of like, what could Mary do differently as people, as, as Carl is pulled into this pattern, right? Like Carl was out here, like, I'm just living my life, which is great. I have people under my control and everything's fine and I have privilege. And now he's being pulled into this pattern that's clearly beyond his control. Do you see anything Carl could do differently in this chapter? And be paying attention, like put yourself in his shoes, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like, I'm experienced. I understand how to work with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now something's happening beyond my control. And I'm learning how how disposable I am, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, if you don't get married together, you're not going to make it, you know? Yeah. Already your girlfriend's in bed with Dora over there. Yeah. Which is just the door away, right? So just be tracking that. Is there mm-hmm. something that Carl could be doing differently to navigate these power dynamics? Do you feel any empathy for Carl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a question around this pattern. So it's not a choice. It feels right now in Mary similar to Doro's body snatching. Mm-hmm. Like it's a gift at that level where it's like she's not necessarily choosing it. It's more like she's it's a reaction to save herself. Yes. Um, but it's also beautiful. So it feels like something that we're introduced to as something really beautiful and really dangerous. So I want you to reflect on, are there any things in your life that you feel are like really beautiful and really dangerous? 
right? Something that maybe you choose to participate in. Maybe you don't feel like you have a choice. Hmm. Maybe this is your family. Woo. But it's beautiful and it's dangerous. And then my final question for this episode is feeling the dynamic between Carl and Mary, where he hates her now. You know, there's there's hatred in him. And mm-hmm. it's like he's listening to her, and I think he's believing her that she's like, I didn't try to create this. But that feeling of being tethered is, you know, slavery produces that feeling. I hate you. Whoever's holding the end of this rope mm-hmm. is not my friend, is not, you know, it's not someone I can feel good about. So I want you to think about, you know, this relationship they have as teacher, student, uh, mentor, mentee, and now moving into this hatred place. Are there people that you have to learn from? Are there people that you have to work with or collaborate with or survive with that you don't like? Mm. And is there anything you can pick up from how Carl and Mary communicate that could guide you in terms of navigating those relationships of need? Yes. This yes. feels like another recurrent theme for Octavia that she's like, you're not going to like everybody you end up in the apocalypse with, but you're going to need them. I know. I'm really grateful to her for that. It's mm-hmm. it's something we talked about at a at one of the post-show talks yes, we for did. Parable. It's like, mm, you don't have all these choices. <laughs> no, and it, always, it actually feels like one of the most important things to me because I do definitely, you know, part of being older. For me, I'm like, one of my favorite things about being in my 40s is I'm like, oh, I can really select who I'm in the world with, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like who I spend my time with, mm-hmm. who I want to set boundaries with. But I don't want that to weaken my capacity to see the human in any human I meet right. and to be human with any human I meet and to figure out like, how are we going to, how do we move forward given these are our conditions? Are there things we can agree on? Are there there are things we can negotiate and get clear about. And I really appreciate Mary in this chapter where she's like, if I can do anything to set you free, I will. Because this table just turned. Right. Right? Like, literally, she went to bed with Carl as the person who had more power. Yeah. And then she woke up having hooked him in. Right? Yeah. Um, and I just, I love Octavia doing that where she's like, mm. <laughs> oh, you don't like it so much now when it's you, do you, Carl? No. You know? She got lessons for everybody. She's got something for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are my questions for Beautiful. you to sit with. Yeah. Thank you. I love you all. We love you all. And we also love our producer, Kat Aaron. Yeah, Kat. <laughs> we love our show art from Krista Franklin. We are so grateful for our beloved Jess Pinkham for transcribing these episodes. Yeah, yeah. You can find us on social media at Parables. Um, you can become a supporter of this labor of love at patreon.com slash oparables. And transcripts for every single episode we do are live at readingoctavia.com. And yeah. And music music for <laughs> Octavia's Parables is You Don't Know the Time, written and performed by Toshi Regan. And the sower song written by Bernice Johnson Regan and performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, Memorial Hall, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Boop, boop. Love y'all. Peace. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out. To sow the sea.